0: i'm aunt kelly anakin and i'm molly of mitchell sanchez we're
1: here to take birth control and talk about the handmaid's tale we're all out of birth control thanks trump this is red all over your handy handmaid's tale recap blessed be the fruit we're <laughs> very nice very <laughs> thank nice you. thank Flawless you execution. so much
0: because i did realize we are fresh out of handmaid's tale as well yeah, pretty much. We're here <laughs> to chat about the new Margaret Atwood joint, mm. The Testaments. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah. What uh, uh one one sentence review? <laughs> parts of it real good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Mine would be Even with my lowered expectations, I was disappointed. Oh man. <laughs> Although, you know, for me I think what happened was they announced it. I was like, "What are you doing? This yeah. is such a bad idea." Mm-hmm. Then they were like, "It got shortlisted by the Booker Prize." And I love such luminaries of previous Booker Prize recipients as Yan Martell and uh, Hillary Mantel. Wow, gosh, I guess it helps.
1: It's a Mantel. It's a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Martell Mantel <laughs> better have a name like that. Yeah, with one letter different. Mantel it on the Booker Prize. <laughs> So you had high... You
0: so I was like, excited. oh, maybe this is not going to be shitty. Like, maybe it's going to be legit. And it wasn't. It was just a legacy, like, shortlist for the Booker Prize. Right. They were like, oh, well, Margaret Atwood's
1: going to die. So, So I have a few thoughts about what was enjoyable about reading this book is one, it's so fun and it hasn't happened to me probably since Harry Potter that I was reading a book at the same time as a lot of people. Yes. And it was new and exciting. And so everywhere I went when I would read this and it is a brick to be plucking around it is with. a
0: large one but i did not take it anywhere i just <laughs> kept it in my
1: house well i lugged it all around san francisco chinatown and i had a bunch of people come up to me and be like are you so excited what do you like mm-hmm. and just have like spontaneous book conversations are kind of my favorite conversation to have so that was really pleasant i liked and disliked that we had a whole community of people who were like we can't wait to talk about this book yeah because they really fucked you over dude I don't the only the only <laughs> here's the thing the only like I don't think it was a spoiler to tell me that there's a commander named Kyle or whatever the only spoiler that I read accidentally because someone tweeted it at me was someone who's like wow Aunt Lydia's Professor Snape huh and I'm like motherfucker we know what happens to Professor Snape you
0: know that I think is another reason that I actually disliked this book even though I thought the Aunt Lydia sections were the best written Mm -hmm. I hated that Professor Snape was a good guy all along (coughs) yeah and like also really hated the marketing campaign for half blood oh, prince I loved it. so i hated that whole thing i also was older than you when it came yeah, out yeah, yeah. so but like i was like okay to me this aunt lydia makes no fucking sense with anything that we've seen before right like there's a way if you tilt your head and squint okay maybe mm-hmm. but i was just like i don't care so much about what she's doing in the like present day of this book Mhm. Because it's like, oh, well, they tortured me, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to get revenge on this dude. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, but how did you justify right. all of this other shit to yourself? Like, well,
1: yeah. That's, how did you, a, to go
0: a, a professed atheist, right. come to grips with having to be part of this theocracy? It's mm-hmm. so weird. It makes more sense to me. And I didn't love her backstory on the show, but I'm like, your backstory on the show at least tracks. Yeah. In some way, uh-huh. I also thought it was so weird that all of the founders got to keep their names.
1: That is weird. Okay, well, well yeah, well, yeah. Well. Anyway, we have a lot. We have a lot to cover. Before we get into our part one of our testaments discussion, we've got some housekeeping. So we're gonna give some Venmo shoutouts now. Again, we are recording four episodes at once today. So uh, if you contributed after you're hearing this, uh, we haven't had a chance to shout you out yet. Okay, uh, that's Venmo.com/slash/red all over and. The first chunk of people we're thanking. Thank you, Kelly Crook. You're not a crook at all, you're a savior. Christina Diaz. Oh Dios Mias. Well, I do not know what that shout out was. I was trying to do I Dios mío and then I just either way, Christina, you're a gem. Crystal Nanavati, longtime listener, longtime contributor. So lovely. Casey Wright to write make a writer. <laughs> Boy, it's been a while. Casey, you're a delight. Morgan Evers, I will love you forever. Esther Beer plus BB, they're friends donating together. I love your friendship. Give each other a squeeze today if you haven't already. Deborah Nathans, Deborah, guess what? A boy named Nathan stole my Razor scooter on my 15th birthday. If you have any information about him because your last name is the same as his first name, please let me know, Deborah, Love you. Rebecca Thompson, Rebecca Thompson, I love you so much. Jean Bailey. Narachana. Sorry, Jean, if I mispronounced your last name, but you know what I'd never mispronounce? Love. I love you. Jessica Cathcart. I want to put you in my Cathcart. take you all around the store, buy you whatever you like. You're great. Andrea Shears. You're excellent. I love you. Raul Rodriguez. I just think you're just the bees freaking knees. Carla Carla, Your last name is this. Your last name is Grisbowski, and I think that is aces. And last but not least, Amy Kruger. Thanks so much, Amy. We just think you're fantastic. If you want to contribute to us, that's Venmo.com slash Right All Over. If you want to join their conversation on social media, that's Facebook.com slash Right All Over.
0: And I just want to say a uh, special shout out to Andrea Shears and Raul Rodriguez, because they are two of my best friends. They
1: are yeah! awesome. So Andrea nice. is expecting
0: a little nugget oh. so I can be a gay auntie oh. and then Raul is my neighbor and he recently just dropped off a Poe Dameron comic because he knows that I have the hots for Oscar Isaac.
1: So, oh yeah. well that's so lovely. Y'all are game. the best. Oh love you. Thank you for supporting. Oh hey Molly if people want to find you on Twitter where do they do that? Oh I'm on Twitter at Serious Molly. Where are you on Twitter? I'm at Kelly Anakin. All right is that, that all the housekeeping? I think our house is in order. Great.
0: Which is good, because a house divided cannot read the (laughs) testaments.
1: (laughs) So, if you're tracking along with what we'll be covering this episode, we are covering from... I made a little demarcation. We're covering from statue to stadium, kids. So, that's page 1 through 109. And let's get right off going with these three poems. Mm Poem. So... (laughs) Great. So sorry, I've been doing a lot of yoga. I love it. We love. We love <laughs> to see it. So there are three poems on the front page of this book. Uh, Maggie Atz loves to start. Books well, these are with strictly poems. speaking, they're epigrams. Uh, in Handmaid's Tale, they start off with the. There's no sign in the desert that says you can't eat stones. Uh, and <laughs> tell that to my intestines. <laughs> she loves a stone.
0: <laughs> yum 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 yum.
1: And here we have three sort of epigram. So let's go in the first one. So the first one is every woman is supposed to have the same set of motives or else be a monster by George Eliot. Now I did some research on this, but do you have any thoughts first blush about this quote? George Eliot was a woman. I knew
0: that. Damn. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I think we see this in the original book, we see mm-hmm. this in almost all media about and for women where men are individuals and women are supposed to be a monolith yeah and i always think about that scene in the 1994 little women where joe is hanging out with professor bear's like intellectual friends mm-hmm. and they're saying you know that women are too good to vote like they're so moral and like they shouldn't even vote and joe's like fuck you bro she is much more polite because yeah. she was a transcendentalist That's but
1: right um fuck you brother <laughs> This episode is titled fuck you brother <laughs> <laughs> intercourse yourself good sir <laughs> <laughs> and good day <laughs> um, um, yes so that is so you're saying it, it kind of res- it, it's saying that women are supposed to be one way and when they're even a little bit not that they're considered monsters or they're bad.
0: considered monsters they're automatically considered other yeah
1: you know we're supposed
0: to be seen and not heard uh too bad we have a podcast and you can't Ah-ha. even see us pew pew,
1: pew. <laughs> Suck my dick, Apple Podcasts. (laughs) So uh, the research I did on this is like, yes, George Eliot is a woman. Daniel Dorota is her last novel. And kind of interesting as it ties into this is a story told through flashbacks. It's kind of similar. And it's sort of a story about positive about Jewish people and Zionists. So keep that in mind. That might be uh, relevant for the next couple of quotes. The second quote is when we look one another in the face, we're neither of us looking at a face we hate. No, we're gazing into a mirror. Do you really not recognize yourself in us? And this is by some guy <laughs> to a Hang Bolshevik. On. Let me try this. Obersturmbom
0: Fuhrer Uh Wow, who would have thought that watching The Man in the High
1: Castle for reasons I could not <laughs> articulate to you uh, would pay off? Yeah, okay. Well, that guy told to his uh, Bolshevik friend. Uh, in his book life and fate and what do you make of this quote
0: um i mean it sounds like a german person (laughs) talking to a russian person and he's like we're fascists you're communist can't we all just get along yeah
1: yeah that's interesting i think it speaks to like we even the people that we dislike maybe part of the reason we dislike them is because we see a sort of version of ourselves that's absolutely why i don't hang out with people i don't like (laughs) All right. I'm like, no, I'm not going to look at this. So here's what's interesting about Life and Fate. Life and Fate is this sort of the second part of this two-part book series that... Old Obi, that's it, I'm making his first name be. It's the second part of this two-parter book series that Obi wrote. And the first part is called For a Just Cause, and that was written under Stalin, and so it toes the line a little more. Okay. And the second part, Life and Faith, is written uh, sort of in the aftermath after Stalin. What happens with this manuscript is it's pretty critical of fascism. What happens is Well, Boy, he- you know who does not like that? <laughs> the yeah, they're they're again it. So Obi submits this manuscript to a magazine. It gets published. No sooner does he submit it than his entire apartment. Everything is raided by the KGB. <gasps> All of his belongings are taken except for the master copy of this manuscript, which is secreted in his friend's house. So I think other than just the, you know, nuance of seeing a little bit of ourselves and our enemy, there's something deep cut about this is a book that was hit from fashion. Oh, fascist. yeah. Like later Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the last the last epigram is freedom is a heavy load a great and strange burden for the spirit to undertake it is not a gift given but a choice made and the choice may be a hard one by Ursula K. Le Guin in the tombs of Atuan*.
0: what I love about this is that they were friends and Ursula K. Le Guin was always like bitch you write science fiction (laughs) and Margaret Atwood was like no I don't (laughs) I write speculative fiction. It's different. It's different, Ursula. You know it. Get it? Get it? We're different, but the same. Like the quote just before this one. <laughs> and Ursula's like, I haven't seen your book, weirdo. Ursula's like, you know what? I'm gonna die now. Yeah. I'm gonna die. I- I'm I'm so sick of this fight, I'm dead. <laughs>
1: So, what do you make of this quote, though? Hmm, it reminds me a lot of freedom to and freedom from, which we talk about. Yes, in and I scale. also
0: think that it implies that the gift is mm-hmm. the life in which you have no choices. Given, like, think of it this way: you're born, uh-huh. you're like, okay, I'm alive. um I'm gonna just do whatever my parents say because that's easier than making choices and having freedom. Mm-hmm. And you just like live your life that way, yeah. And you let people and institutions dictate where you go and what you do and if you want to be free Mm -hmm. that requires critical
1: thinking and choice Mm, i love it that's great I I agree with that. The other kind of interesting thing about the tombs of Atuan, have you read this book? No. Okay, me neither. Another huge Ursula K. Le Guin fan. I read The Left Hand of Darkness,
0: and the whole time I was like, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, and then I finished it, and I was like, was this the best book I ever (laughs) read? Nice. I'm still grappling with this, so I do want to read more Ursula K. Le Guin, because I do like her side of the science fiction argument more than Maggie answers. Yeah. Although, um, that's a whole other episode. We don't have
1: time for that. I definitely need a starter book of hers because I read one in college that I didn't like. Yeah. But anyway, so the Tombs of Etuan, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is significant to this story because it's about a girl who is raised in a temple for a religion. And a big plot point in the book is somebody takes her into the outside world and she loses her faith. <gasps> Wham, 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 wham. like me no. but also several people in this book <laughs> speaking of so that's the epigrams i love that i love wading into that kind of stuff but let's get started with chapter one statue an aunt lady a chapter it starts out with her now i think this second sentence in the in this chapter really uh personifies how i felt going into this book which is Already, I am petrified. Yeah. I
0: was struck by this. This for me functioned as sort of like Margaret Atwood being like, hey, you know all those things I did in other books? Here they are, but like different. Yeah. Um, Because this statue reminds me a lot of the statue at the Martha Graham Academy in Oryx and Crake and Year of the
1: Flood. So this whole book gave me Year of the Flood
0: feels. Particularly because there's so much of the religious ceremonies and stuff in here. It's very Mm -hmm. similar to like Adam 1 going through all like the God's Mm -hmm. Gardener stuff and I was like oh Maggie you just fucking love making up a religion. She's like I know. I love it. It's because they're all the same but they're all bullshit.
1: (laughs) I I could have read an entire book that was just the aunt and Aunt Lydia world building. I think the fundamental
0: mistake here in comparison with the original book, what makes that book so resonant is that first person singular, you know, no omniscience mm-hmm. narrative. Aunt Lydia knows more than Offred good point. by virtue of her position. Mm hmm. But to break it up and have these people who aren't Aunt Lydia and mm. I think are deliberately written poorly because they're, like, 16. Yeah. Well, that's not true. One of them's, like, in her early 20s. Yeah. Um, but still. Yeah. Well, but was raised to be illiterate. It's not this fun wall of, like, Maggie Atzness washing over me. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at something like Year of the Flood, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is also very different from Oryx and Crake, because Oryx and Crake is the same narrator Mm -hmm. kind of on, like, different sides of a watershed. Mm -hmm. And you don't really necessarily recognize that, oh, this is the same person until later. Yeah. And then in Oryx and Crake, it's two different people, but one person is first-person singular. The other person is, like, third-person limited. And here you have one person... Who is omniscient in so far as Gilead can allow you to be omniscient? Mm-mm. That's and a great then point. You have these other two people who don't know fucking anything, yeah. And it's like, okay, can we go back to the person who knows what the fuck is going on, yeah. please?
1: Yeah, totally. I agree with that. It, it's so interesting, but I I don't even want to give her the mulligan that like the teenager parts are poorly written because it's the teenager because there are parts of you're in the flood that are from the perspective <sighs> yeah. of a teenager, and I just feel like. And I've never written a book before, so, you know, take my opinion with the grain of salt. But this whole book felt less rich in prose than Handmaid's Tale did. Oh, absolutely. Every single sentence is like a bath that you have to, like, really parse your way through. And with this, I mean, we'll get to it later, but (laughs) they have a line that says, this was weird as fuck. And I'm like, fucking Maggie, come on. I, uh, (laughs) like, it all
0: feels like it really could have stood three maybe four more drafts and the way that i felt when they announced it more or less was that maggie gans was like well i'll just make sure that if the planet survives my great great grandchildren don't have to pay for college which is nice which is nice but i'm just like this was so unnecessary yeah in so many ways i didn't feel like i learned anything valuable Mm. about the world of the handmaid's tale
1: okay well, well I I have some thoughts about that as we keep going. So we we established in this first chapter that there's this scary Aunt Lydia statue that will come to bear later. I think the only like super Atwoodian fun thing here is that uh, Aunt Lydia's talking about uh, that she's writing these manuscripts and hiding them. And uh, perhaps I'll only be talking to the wall in more ways than one. That I was like, ah, I like. So far, so good. Great. I'll say... Just very quickly,
0: um, before I knew that the aunts, the four founders, got to keep their own names, I assumed that Aunt Elizabeth was Elizabeth Arden. Oh. Um, I tried to look up Aunt Vidala.
1: Well, that one checks out because that's a brand of onions. Oh, but there's an I. -I -I
0: V-I-D-A-L-I-A. Oh. Yeah. Is that not how that's spelled? No, I thought they even
1: made a comparison to I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. I looked it up and like nothing... Hmm, okay. Nothing
0: came back. And then Helena, I couldn't find anything for that. Like, me neither.
1: Yeah. So anyway, uh, they got to keep their names. And they're also fast and loose because like Victoria is not a brand necessarily. Unless I it's, like it Victoria's was Victoria's Secret. Secret yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. So, well, speaking of, this next chapter is called Precious Flower and it's from Agnes Jemima's perspective. And let me tell you, gang, if you're playing the Testaments drinking game and you drink every time there's flower imagery... <laughs> You're gonna die. So just uh, go to the
0: hospital now. Yeah,
1: just start the drinking game at the hospital. Start them.
0: Have them start you <laughs> on a hydration IV. And wow, good luck.
1: Because there's a lot of that in this chapter. Like, we get it. Uh, flowers, a girl's virginity is a flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. <laughs>
0: flowers are a renewal and and yeah, life yeah. and yeah, spring. Yeah. It's why the covers green.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: So, uh, can I kill her or not? I don't know. <laughs> no,
1: Anyhow. Bruce,
0: I'm so sorry. You can't kill her.
1: Now, the, uh, a lot of people were saying in the reviews of this book that if you watch the show, none of the reveals are surprising because it's like, yeah, we know Agnes is Hannah. Uh-huh. It, you know, and again, this is me being stupid and pedantic, but like, if Alfred is the handmaid, that's the mother of these two people. It's never said explicitly. So there's a one percent chance that she's like, no, this was off Miguel. Like (laughs) somebody completely different. It's likely not. I'm just introducing this. I will respond to
0: this with the same attitude my mom responded with. So I tried to read the sequel to Gone with the Wind, Scarlet. Oh yeah, I love. I was reading it. I did not care for it. And finally, I was like, This is so long. I'm so bored what the fuck and then like so i like flipped to the end and like she's back with ret yeah. and i said that i was like yeah you know i just skipped to the end she's back with her with ret my mom was like well of course she was why else would you write the book <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> and i think you know yeah. mm, i i was sense. more disappointed by this book because it was initially pitched as having nothing to do with the series yeah and i having now read the book i'm like this book wouldn't exist without the series a hundred percent like there would be no impetus to do it i yeah. don't care what you say maggie yeah like makes. you don't give a shit what people want to know yeah about the end
1: of the handmaid's tale yeah, i agree
0: <laughs> i mean i think that's extremely clear
1: considering the output of your answer so yes all of that is true it's not that. great bob also there's some really good parts in scarlet where she like takes control of her own scottish destiny but that's another tale for you mean her game. irish destiny irish scottish it's outlander i don't give a shit no, i'm just kidding are you talking about outlander or oh, yeah, yeah okay you no, said scarlet I'm not, no i did i, did I was mean like scarlet did no not... i did mean okay. scarlet i was just uh, <laughs> confusing irish and scottish let's move on <laughs> okie dokie
0: kids wow all right. Okay. I'm gonna write you a letter later. All right.
1: <laughs> so we talk. We get some interesting world building here about the the children of Gilead, or at least the girls of Gilead. Change their colors with the seasons. We got pink for spring and summer, plum for fall and white, and uh, fl- plum for fall and winter, and white for special days. Blah blah blah. Interesting, kind of. These fucking names, bro. Oh, I've got some good intel about that. But before we move into that, because I think that's on the next page, I want to say I was like so excited of the little buds of really good at and prose here. And there is one that says our treasure would be stolen. We would be ripped apart and trampled by the ravenous men who might lurk around any corner out there in the wide, sharp edge sin ridden world. That's a great little snippet. That sharp edge sin ridden world is a great snippet. And then we meet Shunamite. I love
0: Shunammite, Shunammite, Shun Shun, Shunamite, Shunammite, Shunamite, Shun shun-a-mite, shun-a-mite, shunamite.
1: Now you uh, poor Shunammite. You are a uh, Bible uh red lady. Do you know who Shunammite is in the Bible? Nope. I do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I score one for the heathen. Um so Shunamite is like the name of a person from Schumann. Uh, which is a biblical place. And uh, Shunammite is a wealthy woman in Israel. When this prophet comes by her in, uh, I think it's two Kings 4.8. Don't know how to cite Bibles. Uh, he comes to her 2 house. Two Kings 4.8. Okay, whatever. Uh, she comes to, uh, he comes to her house and she's like a super nice hostess. She's like doing all the biblical hostessy things. And he's like, this lady should get whatever she wants. I hear she wants to have a baby. I'm going to like, bing, like will it into existence. So she has this baby. Something happens. The baby dies and she goes back to the prophet and she's like, I don't even want to like bother you to like bring the baby back to life. I just want to say thank you so much for giving me this baby to begin with. I'm very grateful. Like, So she's like this poster child of grace and homemaking and like God fearing lady and spoiler, he does bring the wow that's a real ironic name for this
0: shunammite
1: and is the interesting thing is the more like bible study stuff i read is like she's supposed to be this biblical figure of contentment of being happy where she is Mm -hmm. and so we do see that really come to bear almost until the very end with the shunammite of being like she buys into gilead she's so here for it she's like ready to go and be this perfect wife so that's a really interesting though because i never thought of her as being content
0: I thought of her as always climbing and
1: wanting more. I suppose maybe like relative contentment to like Agnes and Becca who are always trying Mm -hmm. to get out. Shinamite is like into it. Um, I wouldn't say that they're even trying to get out. They just didn't want to get married. Right. But they're trying to get out of these tracks that they're on where Shinamite is like, I want this track and I want an even better one. Okay. Uh, So Shinamite buys into it more. Becca we know the biblical meaning of Becca uh I'm assuming
0: it's Rebecca Mm -hmm. i.e. Isaac's wife Rebecca
1: girl yes great so there we go we got the two school friends yeah so they're just sort of explaining her daily life she's got these school friends so they're not allowed to be super good friends she's got these Marthas she's got this okay life Ah. she really loves her mom yeah, and
0: she doesn't know until later that her mom is
1: not her mom. Yeah,
0: or her her mom's not her biological her biological mom. Yeah. And she definitely doesn't know that her mom was a handmaid.
1: So her mom Tabitha tells this sort of origin story of her, and she tells this very like fairy tale story of how she got her. She had this magic ring, which let her into this castle to save this baby from these witches who were around her. And they had to run away because one of the witches saw them. So she tells her this like fairy tale version that we know from reading the Hamay Sale and watching the Hamay Sale is like, oh no, you stole a baby. Yeah. And <laughs> stole that baby, made it cry. <laughs> At the top of page twelve, where Tabitha's describing this magic ring, I wrote I wrote the first of many, Maggie. <laughs> Cause I was like, We get it. It's a wedding ring. Like, we got it. Come on. Um, so yeah. So I thought that was a little heavy handed, but I I like that we finally get insight into what certain wives tell the kids. Mm -hmm. New wives tales, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Um so they go on to talk about this little dollhouse, which was fun. I love I freaking love dollhouses, so I really enjoyed this part. It's good to know. Yeah, I don't know. There's like not much to say. Oh, except the note that I wrote on page 17 is, man, I wish I loved anything the way that Maggie Atz loves writing songs. Girl you know, loves to write a song. I such a
0: hard time. Well, and she's a poet. I mean, she's written more poetry than novels, yeah. strictly speaking. But it's like when I would read like the Little House on the Prairie books and Pob mm-hmm. would sing a goddamn Aww. song. I'd be like, boo. <laughs>
1: Quit singing, pa. Yeah, go back to making maple syrup in the snow, bitch. Yeah, invent cable, Jesus. (laughs) I do like them. I will say I really liked the songs in um, Year of the Flood, uh, and I would like sing them. Mm -hmm. I liked that, but these ones I'm having trouble kind of figuring it out. Except for, did you ever say the first part of this prayer? Oh yeah, me down to sing.
0: Everybody said that.
1: Yeah, that it is a like very like ominous little prayer my favorite
0: tweet of recent memory and unfortunately i cannot remember who tweeted it was like religion is crazy because you learn about death when you're four and sex while it's happening
1: <laughs> that's so clever <laughs> and that's that's true yeah so this is like part of a real c- prayer uh and then it is do you know is the second part part of the actual prayer or? i have no idea because i only ever said the first part yeah Yeah, I was like, all right, we're covered. Right, God? Yeah, we got it. If I die,
0: take it. (laughs) Take it. (laughs) Don't leave it here.
1: (laughs) Um, So they talk a lot about in these first chapters about how from when she's very little, she gets told these stories of like very predatory, lustful men. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, no wonder you're scared of sex if that's how you hear about it. And you, you're right, is like sex and death are intermingling in this weird, scary way. Um, okay. Scary. Scary. It actually is scary. It is. I don't know scary. why I'm making light of it. It's very scary. <laughs> okay, gang. I just want to say, I started this argument on Facebook and I will continue it until I die. I think Maggie Etz forgot her own naming convention for the commanders.
0: Oh, yeah. Like... I think it's a situation where it was like, again, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's like really like the closest analog in terms of like Harry Potter Mm -hmm. being this sort of like juggernaut. Right. But it was just like toward like the last like four books, it was like, okay, JK, they clearly stopped editing you. Yeah. You could have used somebody to be like, hey, um fewer adverbs, just like fewer of them. But it's just like I like I can just see like everybody being so in awe of Maggie Atts and she doesn't like she wouldn't have cared one way or the other. If yeah. you look at her like press press tour that she's gone on also
1: her husband died so sad
0: it is sad but it looks like she did not
1: change her um appearance schedule at all well i think that when you have a partner that is getting that old and struggling that much with dementia Mm -hmm. is like you kind of know that it's coming yeah and Well, I, and I mean,
0: and I said this on the Facebook I page. I think he like chose when he was going to
1: die. That is an interesting take, but I, I definitely think, and you can see in that picture she took with Samantha B, where she's like, "I really needed help holding my head above water," and uh-huh. she helped me. Yeah. So I think that there are parts of this that are really hard for her. But yeah, I would assume that she's kind of resigned herself to keep doing this. Yeah. Um, anyway, but like she's, a lot but of it's just like
0: I just don't think anybody. A the people who who were involved with this may not have as deep knowledge as we have right. apparently but so, again she never established we like we don't hear in the first book we don't even know what the commander's first or second name is yes we i do. mean sorry we don't know what his second name is <laughs> right so we know that he's fred right but like we never hear if anybody calls him commander fred right or
1: commander waterford so, I'll so g- that comes from the tv show right. but still i'll give them grace for that but i kind of I genuinely think it was just an oopsie. What I'm referring to, if you can't tell, is the um, Agnes's commander father's name is Commander Kyle. And then they have a handmaid called of Kyle. And the of is supposed to refer to the commander's first name, just like of Fred is Fred, his first name. And so unless this man's name is Kyle Kyle and then the commander naming convention is Commander last name as established in the show, so unless this man's name is Kyle Kyle, I think she messed up her naming convention get it get it, and which you know what? God bless if that's his name, it's the same name anyhow, um, get him a cracky oh, that comes up later um, <laughs> so anyway, uh they kind of have this scary talk with um Agnes about she's gonna have to get married one day, she's gonna have to run her house one day, it's spooky um you know the she kind of Shunamite i think we all had a friend like Shunamite growing up that was like knew a little too much yeah <laughs> shout out to you rachel enrique you ruined me just kidding um you opened my eyes um because Shunemite is talking about this is what babies are this is what handmaids are this is how things get into tummies and uh so it scares the heck out of agnes tabitha dies Her mom dies, and that's really sad because they're the next sort of hunk is more Aunt Lydia stuff. We get a little bit of the world building of like Aunt Lydia sort of makes up all of this stuff about Gilead. She makes up the motto, the per ardua cum estris amen, uh, which can mean so many different things, which you can just tell Maggie is like so excited Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do
0: that. Um, I liked that Aunt Lydia is sort of like Bloody Mary and that like... She's still alive, but girls will play games, you know, and they mm-hmm. go in the mirror and, you know, they're like Aunt Lydia three times <laughs> and she'll come fucking get you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's contrasted with what we saw with the statue where like women come and make offerings of mm-hmm. food in the same way that you see throughout cult- different cultures. Like people are like making these offerings. In order to, in this case, like, get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But it's also, like, there's, like, a big food scarcity issue in Gilead. So
1: it's, like, what? It's so interesting how, and she talks about this in her first chapter about being a statue, is, like, she's become this larger-than-life sort of, um, uh, is apocryphal the right word? Like, this, like, bigger-than-life sort of figure
0: apocryphal means outside of the canon
1: okay then i don't mean um, that then. i don't mean that i yeah. just mean like a she means something more than herself um and i like this quote about her on page 32 which just says she feels swollen with power true but also nebulous with it that's just gorgeous those beautiful phrases um all right, so they uh, the other sort of bigger-than-life figure in Gilead is this baby Nicole, and they're often right next to each other. So you have Aunt Lydia, sort of this formidable, scary figure, and baby Nicole, this, like, symbol of, like, w- the innocence that we lost and we're always trying to regain. Um,
0: and also, baby Nicole's definitely not a baby anymore. Right. <laughs> um, one thing, people have been asking whether or not Gilead is a Christian nation, and they're like, there's no mention of Christianity. There is, on page 32, she talks about, you know, elsewhere in the world, lambs are being slaughtered and eaten. Easter eggs, too, are consumed for reasons having to do with Neolithic fertility goddesses nobody chooses to remember. So... It's unclear if they're actually celebrating Easter, Mm -hmm. but I mean, they are so Old Testament oriented, and yet we know that they
1: are not Jewish. Yeah. (laughs) So, shrug emoji? Well, especially now that we know that so much of it is based on these, what, three, four women who like kind of built this in the ashes of regular society. It's like really a grab bag of Mm -hmm. stuff that they made up. Yeah. And we, I mean,
0: again debatable how much the show has any impact on what happens in the books. The only time that I feel like I've heard them quote the New Testament was let the little children come unto me, mm. which is Jesus talking about the kids. <laughs> we're
1: we're the kids. We're the kids. We're all the kids. We're the kids. Jesus is like, uh, get over here. Yeah, yeah 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 I remember come on, that. Come verse. on, come on. Something kind of interesting is that this is like the first I notice on page 35 is like the first time she has um I don't know if we call it like a malappropriism or whatever, but she like purposely says a phrase wrong. So she says uh when she's talking about keeping secrets about Gilead, she says all that festers is not gold. Mm-hmm. When the real quote is all that glistens or all that glisters is not gold, and so it seems to me like I, I don't know quite what to make of that swapping of this phrase. All that festers is not gold. Yeah, I think uh, Margaret
0: Atwood was just trying to be clever.
1: <laughs> okay, well, let me know what you think about that, redheads. And something else that's interesting is the book that she hides it in. Is this the Apologia pro Vita Sua, which is in defense of one's own life, which is. Very on the nose with what Aunt Lydia is doing by writing her own history here. Uh, That's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know how to take what Aunt Lydia says here. What? Like, just in
0: general. Like... I honestly like this book a lot better if she doesn't mean anything that she says in this book. Like That's so interesting. I like it so much better if this is just her trying to write some legacy mm-hmm. where she's like, no, but I was good. But really, like, she doesn't mean it. Oh,
1: um, that's something so interesting. And I don't kind of know, again, with.
0: given what happens later, like, I don't think that really tracks. I'm mm-hmm. just, like, so annoyed that she is not, like, a villain
1: yeah, it, it is interesting. And she's, like, kind of on purpose. We'll get to this more in later discussions. But she's on purpose, like, leaving out the parts that we know of from The Handmaid's Tale where she's freaking wailing on women. Where, and she's just vicious. She's vicious. And
0: Margaret Atwood's whole thing about, you know, having Bruce Miller not kill Aunt Lydia, she's mm-hmm. like, she's too good to kill. And I'm like, yeah, so then why did you write this long-ass yeah. ass book where you took away everything that makes her
1: a good and interesting character. So I don't quite agree with that, but I I feel a piece of what you're saying, and we'll certainly contend with that as we go along. For right now, I think we're rounding out this section with our first introduction to Daisy slash Nicole slash Jade. What a stupid
0: fucking... I
1: just,
0: I hate the name Daisy. Like, I'm sorry if you are named Daisy, (laughs) but Jesus Christ. I don't like Daisy's, the flowers. Mm -hmm. I don't like the name
1: Daisy. Um, anyway, uh, that's how I feel. Great. So we introduced to Daisy who lives in the secondhand clothes shop with her family in Canada. She's turning 16. They don't live there. Oh, sorry. They Um, work there. Yeah,
0: they work there. God. (laughs) The clothes hound.
1: Love it. I'm into (laughs) it. Hate it. (laughs) So she's kind of the thing. I do kind of like that they made this narrator such a jerky, (laughs) shitty teenager. Yeah, uh, because she truly is chafing under the relatively few rules of Canada. Versus. all but of it's the not, rules of
0: It's not the rules of Canada. It's the rules of being a fugitive living under an assumed name. Right. Without that knowledge.
1: Right. But again, it's like those are relatively few restrictions and she gets pissed off about them. Whereas like Agnes Jemima and Alfred and them are living under horrible conditions. I mean, she's not living under great conditions. She's not like allowed to like spend the night at friends' houses. Right. She's not allowed
0: to do all of these things that somebody her age living in canada should be able
1: to do fair but i i get why she's mad i just think it is a funny juxtaposition i just
0: don't think she's really you know she's not that much more insulated from like sexual violence than anybody in gilead
1: well except for that it's not a government mandated part of her society it's not but it exists well sure you could say that about almost any teenager anywhere almost any woman anywhere so that's i guess the great equalizer uh one sort of quote that i like from this uh daisy chapter is she's talking about her parents and she goes i'm at the age of at which parents suddenly transform from people who know everything into people who know nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) very relatable and i think a, a theme that this book is so interested with is like what happens to us when we lose our faith So it's like when we lose our faith in our parents and what happens when we lose our faith in our government? What happens when we lose our faith in just faith? It's something interesting to wrestle. Um, Your parents get exploded great <laughs> so they introduced the notion of the pearl girls oh
0: on page 41 they quote oklahoma which i assume is yet <laughs> another uh proof that maggie atsell listens to this podcast
1: that is so funny i miss that also did you try the trick where if you have a headache you pull your hair no i've been trying it all week does not
0: work it doesn't work at all <laughs> i'm like i've been like strictly having migraines for like over a decade so come on
1: Maggie yeah, give us some good health information in this book Jesus no so she's supposed to go to this anti Gilead protest but her parents won't let her there's a cheese and crackers ref on page 57 that's where the headache cure comes in we uh, also get there's this
0: guy named George who is a street
1: person mm-hmm. which will come in later <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> um, and then they, they sort of flash by the sort of micro dot camera that neil has in Mm -hmm. his possession and then bing bang boom (laughs) on her 16th birthday her parents are exploded so they also before
0: this introduced the character of ada oh yeah um who some people think is moira
1: but i don't (laughs) think that i just think she's awesome (laughs) Um, i know the whole there were several Uh, ada lines and several aunt lydia lines i'm like kelly's gonna love this (laughs) yeah very into their pragmatism oh this is my favorite section the part where uh, aunt lydia goes to gets taken from her real life into the start of gilead just
0: really quick we've introduced the idea of the pearl girls
1: oh yes i did have a note about that the
0: pearl girls come into the clothes hound Mm. and they are missionaries from gilead yeah crazy. I'm just so... I think that's I'm, such a s- dumb idea. Too. It's so... I'm like, who's signing up for this? Like... Well, but, you know, but see. I mean, look, the Jehovah's Witnesses are always at the BART station. Yep. And I'm like, I guess somebody is getting into this. Anyway, they wear these, like, what sound like pretty solid outfits. Yeah. Like, as far as Gilead is concerned. They're, like, these, like, silvery <laughs> outfits, and they wear, like, fake pearls. And they go around and they're like, hey, you know,
1: have you heard the good news about Gilead? Yeah. It was really interesting because it explains how we keep getting more people in Gilead if we're constantly participating (laughs) people and running through women. And I think that makes sense that they would target, you know, homeless people and all of these, like, fallen Mm -hmm. people. That makes sense. Something else interesting. Well, much
0: like Lily on the show talks about, you know, before she gets radicalized, yes. she's like, uh-huh. hey, like I have somewhere to sleep. Yeah. These people like have a respect for me. Yeah.
1: Something else interesting about pearls as a jewel is like to get a pearl, it's an irritant over time and mm-hmm. over time and over time and over time. And then we get a pearl. So just like we take these aunts and we kind of like or these new supplicants and we kind of indoctrinate them, indoctrinate them, indoctrinate them, indoctrinate them. And then boop, they come out a Pearl Girl. Um. Yeah, and the whole time I read this book, I was listening to the audiobook book oh.
0: of um, Chapter House Dune. This is going to appeal to, like, a very small percentage of people who are into Dune, but oh, I've just okay. been thinking a lot about the ants and how they compare and contrast with the Bene Gesserit from Dune, because they're both these... um you know, female led organizations that are concerned with creating the conditions necessary for power
1: mm-hmm.
0: and also um, overseeing basically all aspects of reproduction mm-hmm. in their various societies. So
1: it's just something that I have been thinking about. That is very interesting. I might write a blog. I love it. So we're getting into the Aunt Lydia taken in a van. This is my favorite part because to me, this whole chapter and the, the succeeding chapters about uh, gilead's formation reminded me so much of the handmaid's tale because i felt that like raw fear
0: and again i'm like i could have just stayed here yeah me too this was the interesting part because i think the other thing is like what if afra didn't matter to aunt lydia you know what i mean like she's one handmaid out of all of these handmaids i think they bring up at some point that Offred what who we assume is Offred, <laughs> I'm just gonna keep calling her That's Offred totally because it's of because 100%. of the, the Scarlet and Rhett getting back together yeah. axiom I just shared. Yes. But it's just like, okay, why why try to assassinate her twice? <laughs> like I don't I don't quite understand what Gilead gets out of mm. trying to recapture these people. Yeah, I agree. And given given what it actually takes to bring Gilead down, I'm like, nobody nobody else who got out had this impact. Yeah. So, like, why do you care?
1: Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with me?
0: Yeah, basically. <laughs>
1: well, and it's just
0: like, it's, again, there was a missed opportunity here in terms of really exploring, like, what's the international situation apart yeah. from Canada? Well, they talk about it a little bit. A little bit, but it's not like, okay, so, like, are you, like, is it cool like with everybody else and yeah. but i mean we do hear like mainly what we hear is that other countries have stopped accepting refugees right that's the majority of it uh-huh. and so it's like okay people are more or less fine with you now gilead they're like uh oh, no, go back oof.
1: just go back it's fine we don't care anymore Ugh. well it's just yeah it's it's really that is frightening i find and even that there was so much uh, they show in the protest scene there are people who are like anti-gilead because they're corrupt and then there are people who are anti-gilead they're like yeah keep your shitty women over there yeah so it's like oh <laughs> canada turns out not everybody's great there <laughs> um this uh, aunt Lydia chapter starts by talking about her uh meeting introducing commander judd for the first time and or for the first time that we're seeing in this book um Judd is, if you'll remember from the uh, the historical notes in The Handmaid's Tale, one of the people that they think either owned Offred or started the, uh, just basically was like the the mastermind behind the colonies and behind a lot of. I, Gilead. I think
0: they were pretty conf-
1: well. They were really convicted. They said Offred either belonged to F. Waterford, which mm-hmm. w- the show comes down that she yeah. did. Or she belonged to B. Frederick Judd.
0: But I think they their point was that he definitely was the guy behind the Sorry. colonies. Yes. Uh-huh. Um but also what comes up in this book, which is interesting, is that all of the framers of Gilead changed their names a bunch of times mm. so that they would be harder to identify right. by their enemies. And I found that fascinating. That is a fascinating Because little bit. what that does is, you know, you, you get name checks throughout here. Like there's like the Schlafly Cafe after Phyllis Schlafly yeah. and um some of these other like very anti woman women. Mm-hmm. But then with the men, it's like these could like these could be based on anybody. Yeah, these could be people who really existed. Mm. Anyway, that is that's a really to me. good
1: point. And they t- they do a little bit of handy world building here, where they're saying sort of Aunt Lydia is really th- the neck of Gilead. <laughs> And Commander Judd is the head. So she feeds him all of these ideas that he passes off as his own and they work in this team. And she kind of makes an editorial about like his ideas are like not really that good and they never come to bear in a great way. Like one thing she uh, she sort of mentions is this certificate of whiteness scheme, which is like, oh, fun, Maggie Yatz, You found a way to also bring in race in a weird way. Yeah. Well, but I mean, one.
0: it's, you know, that's consistent with the, previous book
1: 100 percent. i'm just saying that there was an opportunity to be like yeah i really fucked that one up i'm not gonna not gonna just i'm just gonna ignore that that was a thing that i did and she's like doubling down on it well I think why with this. why was that her fucking up i don't think that's her fucking up i think i guess what i mean is that like the original book is at odds with how we know it now because now they're trying so hard to make all these different characters characters of color oh you mean on the show okay Uh i like Uh, this line
0: since by being female i was excluded from the list of potential usurpers (laughs) since no woman could ever sit on the council of the commanders so on that front ironically i was safe (laughs) i like that in conjunction with some of those epigrams where we talk about um You know, you're a monster if you're not a certain kind of woman. So here's Aunt Lydia sort of hiding humanity behind various monstrous masks.
1: Ooh, I love that.
0: And, you know, it's the idea that men always think they can neutralize women Mm -hmm. and remove them as a threat. Mm -hmm. But that just is not how life works because we're human beings and we want what we want and we'll do what is
1: necessary to get it. And that certainly comes out in this book. They're talking about the last day of real life. They're at this law firm. They're showing all the different kinds of women who work at this law firm. This woman who chose single motherhood and these these people who are like, we got to get out of here. And then wah, wah. They come and get them,
0: and so this is this is bringing in you know details that we knew from the book and also from the show. Um, It's the same day as Moira and June Mm -hmm. slash Offred slash shrug emoji. Who's who? What's what? Ups (laughs) down? Um, It's the same day where they're like, any if your if your account has an F on it, you're screwed. Now, what's also interesting is that. Even though it's the same day they recognize that, it takes a lot longer for Moira and June to get sucked into the gears of Gilead because they target these women in particular because they have knowledge of sort of, like, legality and, like, systems Mm -hmm. of hierarchy and oppression but also um they know how to quote unquote deal with women yeah and i thought that was fascinating and i wish i wish i had more information i'm like okay so what kind of judge were you aunt lydia like she says family court judge well but i'm saying Ah. were you somebody who like at the first sign of trouble was like take those kids away that's so interesting Um, like you're not a fit well yeah unfit like, oh. where where are your, you know, lines that you're not going to cross? Mm-hmm. How did you relate to cases where it was, like, you know, a female parent versus a male parent? Ooh, um, that's so interesting. And we yeah, don't, why don't we know that? Yeah, we don't get any of that information. <laughs> Instead, we get a lot of Daisy saying the F word. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which
1: I just love imagining Maggie Atts writing the F word so often, just like... <laughs> I'm being a little naughty today.
0: She, but she says fuck all the time. I've never heard her say it in real life, and I would. No, but I mean, she writes it. I know
1: she. Listen, I know she writes fuck. I just like would love a sound clip of her going. It was weird as fuck, which is I made fun of it earlier, but one of my favorite lines in this book. I love on the next page,
0: um, Katie, one of the women who work at the law firm, who is three months pregnant via sperm bank um is explaining you know you'll have a male relative somewhere they must have been planning this for years they told me that my male next of kin is my 12 year old nephew
1: yikes what the fuck bro yikes Pete bikes i hate it that's another reason why maybe june didn't have the trouble as soon as like aunt lydia had or uh-huh. even moira is because june had a husband yeah even though it was a unfit husband, yeah. and as they Gilead, took they Lander just maybe determines. took too
0: long to be like oh wait
1: yeah totally we don't believe
0: in this marriage anymore
1: oh it's so good so they take him to the stadium all right so the last section before we're done with this uh bit of analysis is uh agnes jemima's final section of this section agnes jemima oh agnes jemima oh
0: agnes jemima pour me a tot of jemison (laughs) agnes jemima
1: i'm from scotland oh no (laughs) pull up your dollhouse i'll tell you a tale Your dollhouse is so funny. That's another contender for episode title. Either f- fuck you brother or pull up your dollhouse. Um all righty. So, uh ooh, now was I the only one that got major um Ella Enchanted vibes from this whole Oh, now Paula's marrying your dad and you need to be out. Yes.
0: Okay. um mainly i think because i've read it once okay as an adult but super good it definitely was i mean paula's bad news right oh. like as soon as paula shows up you're like paula i'm not into this i'm not into you and she in honestly the most chilling thing that paula ever does is say
1: how nice it is to have a new dress at her mother's funeral up. The other like chilling thing about Paula is when she goes here 's the four one one babe, your daddy is in love with me <laughs> um, yes i that is so so well written and so cruel mm-hmm. to say to her, um, and it certainly checks out with what we learned about Paula later. Oh, um this introduces the notion that paula 's husband was i 'm doing finger quotes here, killed by a handmaid with his <laughs> pants down, and Paula has to scoop his pants back on his butt before she calls the authorities (laughs) and is covered in his blood. So that's just a very stirring image that I hope doesn't change later. I,
0: gosh. You know what, everybody? uh, Just don't kill people.
1: Like, honestly, (laughs) just don't kill people. Like, your life will be a lot simpler. So they talk about, uh uh-oh, she's getting her boobs. She's time to get married. Um, They introduce the sort of parable of the... um, concubine that is split into 12 pieces fucking sucks uh and there's two readings of this there's one from the mean aunt is it aunt Aunt vidala oh aunt vidalia who is saying that like well if she hadn't been a concubine she wouldn't have been split so she deserved it from inspiring lust and then aunt sd is like wasn't it brave and noble of her to let herself be raped and cut and in either version, the one that's supposed to be scaring them straight and the one that's supposed to be comforting, a lady dies. <laughs> and it's cut into 12 pieces. That fucking sucks. So women never win in either telling of this story. Um, and, and Estee is Estee Lauder, I yeah, assume. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I thought the, Every now and then when I can catch a product name in here that I recognize, it tickles me to no <laughs> end. Uh, see soon, Aunt. Gabbana, which I thought was. Oh so my god, funny. I love that so much. Not Dolce? No. Please make my <laughs> my aunt name Aunt Fenty by Rihanna. <laughs> 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 because like those bras, I will be brutal and beautiful at the same time. Oh my god. Um so then they get a handmaid named of Kyle of You already... get a handmade and
0: you <laughs> get a handmade. Oh. Actually, that's not true. One thing I did appreciate from Agnes Jemima's perspective was like, oh, Like, a lot of these... I mean, you know, most of her peers were formerly snatched babies versus... I mean, and it makes sense with the ages, right? Like, because when they were saying like so-and-so's mom was a handmaid, they meant, oh, you're like your mom from before. Oh, yeah. Not that you were the product of a handmaid and the commander. Mm -hmm. You just were like, you just were around and they took you.
1: (laughs) But I was surprised that like Shunamite is a a quote unquote natural born kid. She is. Yes. So natural born
0: kid. I love that Oliver Stone movie.
1: It's the, like, G-rated version. <laughs> yeah, so there... Yeah, my parents had me. The end. <laughs> and there is a hierarchy, a social hierarchy from the kids that were snatched from people before they became handmaids to people who are born of handmaids into a marriage and then to people who are natural-born kids, the mm-hmm. Oliver Stone movie. <laughs> so that's an interesting hierarchy within Gilead. Um, so anyway, Paula and Commander Kyle get of Kyle. I've already discussed... My things about that. Um, I wrote on page eighty-two. We get it. Flowers mean something. Um, Ooh, oh, but I also like a great
0: line mm-hmm. I on page if it's the same eighty-one one. Mm-hmm. where Shunamite says, "I don't see why being a slut is performing a service." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you Shunamite
1: have never seen me give a blowjob." That's right. It's very good. I guess <laughs> I assume I'm just very supportive. I'm going to be like, you. where? have you been i just support you and everything you thank do. you so much i appreciate it <laughs> i i do like this line uh on page 82 where it goes uh it talks about like once a, a girl is growing into her body it goes once this happened to a girl she's no longer a precious flower but a much more dangerous creature it's like ah
0: oh like a cactus
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> your body turns you into something scary and that's why it's so scary in real life and in Gilead that like Once you start puberty for a lot of girls, you experience this as like, fuck, this is a ticking time Mm -hmm. bomb i'm now something that i'm not controlling and it's affecting other people which Mm -hmm. is a fucked up way to view that but is how a lot of people Mm -hmm. view becoming a woman that's why my gender identity is cactus that's great and i support you in
0: that as like i support you in your blowjobs i've just got to be really careful about my water intake
1: you super do but what's great is if i'm in the desert i can cut one of your arms off and a bunch of Mm -hmm. water comes out which we've had to do on road trips you know that
0: I do like the way she describes my effervescent body. I
1: love that. Every now and then. See, that's why. That's, how, a- I,
0: that's how I feel when
1: I've um, had a lot of fiber. <laughs> Me too. My body's a little too effervescent sometimes. <laughs> I, but I will say, even like a not great Maggie Yates book, I think is better than a lot of people's best oh, books.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, we're really looking a gift horse in the mouth here. We truly uh, are. And I don't feel bad about it because yeah. I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle, too. And the other thing that I thought about a lot during this chapter um, was about how, you know, once Tabitha dies, Mm -hmm. Kyle basically, Kyle never really had a relationship Mm -hmm. with Agnes Jemima to begin with. Mm -hmm. But once Tabitha's gone, any real, like, connective tissue he felt is gone. And it brought me back to the idea that I think you brought up or somebody brought up, Maybe it was me, but there are no fathers in Gilead. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. not really. No. And we get that more because we know that the aunts are the keepers of the bloodlines. Yeah. Which is also crazy. I'm like, I have a lot of... How did you start doing that? How do you get your information? Like, I have a lot of questions that don't get answered in terms of like, so how are you tracking all this down? And it's just like, you know, I know that they kind of have a shadow government running underneath the commander's government but it's like so and Aunt, um, Aunt Vidal is such a fucking snitch though <laughs> like it's stunning to me that so much of this has been allowed to happen.
1: So I actually don't think that it's
0: clandestine that they keep the It's
1: mines. not clandestine, but I think they get it straight from like the ruling commanders.
0: But do all the commanders know, for example, like Fred Waterford was he told like, "Hey, we're just going to have the driver knock up the handmaid?" No, you're right. So so there it's like how different who had How are they right. getting this information? No,
1: that's a great point. I don't know that. Um nobody does because she didn't put it in this book. <laughs> Alrighty, so blah, blah, blah. Agnes is at school. She gets her period. That's so sad. its I mean, it's not sad, but it's like it's a bummer to do that without your mom and without good support. And it's y'all also, know they don't have an Aunt My doll. It's also just a bummer. It like, is a bummer. Periods yeah. suck. Periods suck. Um, she's, becu- she's growing up. They keep talking about they're going to have to find a husband for her.
0: And the handmaid gets pregnant. Mm -hmm. Her name is Crystal, by the Mm -hmm. way. Real missed opportunity, Maggie! Could have named her Shannon. It gets the
1: same (laughs) thing across. And then, unfortunately, uh, she's molested by Dr. Grove, who's Becca's dad. And also molested Becca.
0: Yeah. Um, and also molested like a bunch of people. Yeah. It so sucks.
1: many people. He Ugh. was a real Chester. She just, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, um, it's so interesting that she gets sort of introduced to her body as this, um, target. Mm-hmm. And it's when she, it's, you know, she's been going to the same dentist for years and years and years, and she suspects later that Paula sent her alone to get molested mm-hmm. which sucks like fuck Paula. Yeah, paula's is the worst. Ugh, Paula like, there's a lot the of
0: shitty people in this book.
1: Yeah. I think Paula is the worst one. Yeah, absolutely. So poor 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 uh Agnes Jemima gets hurt like this and nobody cares. Unfortunately in Gilead nobody cares. They just kind of let it happen and crystal the handmaid gives birth but the baby is stuck and they have to get it out and in doing so crystal dies and that's yeah nice. my assumption is that he did like a c-section
0: but yeah. like a real like ass backwards one um and i love this when the doctor gets there and he's running into the house and he's saying shit 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 of a god this in itself was electrifying i had never heard a man say anything like that before <laughs> it's a good swear they name the baby mark
1: mark presumably i'm mark after (laughs) rent um Um, the the thing i want to point out on page 102 is they talk about the girls not being able to see the birth but the wives do and this is a gorgeous bit of prose it goes that thick red knowledge was for married women and handmaids Ooh, that thick red knowledge that's what we should have called this podcast tbh because we're thick The book is read and we're dropping knowledge, baby. Okay. Mm. See, I'm just thinking of that chunk ass Mm -hmm. menstrual blood
0: Mm -hmm. pouring out of my crevice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't want people to have to think about that all the time. I do a little.
1: Okay. Uh, All right. My crevice. (laughs) You nasty. I love it. Um, So yeah, so Mark is born. They have their little scary little baby chants that they do. Which is the, if a handmaid dies in her bed, their blood is on your head. If the handmaid's baby dies, then your life is tears and sighs. If your handmaid dies in birth, you will follow you all over the earth. (sighs) Little kids be creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's because life is terrible. True, true, And
0: they know that. And the only uh, way they have to express it is by making up creepy ass little rhymes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right. A plump, lugubrious handmaid who had recently been of Tucker, but was now, of course, of Kyle <sighs> they
1: just are Tucker. Just, <laughs> I love it No, <laughs> that you could know, work either way because I had a boss whose last name was Tucker so it's, it's a last name and a first name unless that man's name is also Tucker Ducker <laughs> Jesus Tucker Christ. Tucker Berther and Ducker oh um, my god alrighty so that's the end of this first section of the testaments it is long there might be long uh, it's a long book y'all asked for this <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly yeah i don't
0: have anything left to say about this section
1: great there's many much more sections to go ah yes what should we dumb them?
0: um you sang something like early on what the fuck was it
1: i sang go tell it on the mountain that was
0: it yeah 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 yeah. okay (laughs) Okay. let's do that
1: okay (laughs) all right well uh Take care of yourself. Take care of your girlfriends and no. No, lite te bastardes carborundorum. Dumb, 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 dum dum dum
0: dum dumb, dum dum dumb, 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 dumb,